You should be the host here. I really love it, aren't you? We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Hello and welcome along to episode 34 of The Rev 78. I'm Alan Quinlan and uh, here on the Rugby Channel and with me always is uh, Neve Briggs. You're away in the sun, Neve. We're not going to reveal yep. where you are. Maybe you're after <laughs> uh, you getting a touch of the sun the last few days. How was it been? Yeah, it's been beautiful out here. Um, I'm out in, uh, in Spain, so it's, it's very nice and um, just a, a total switch off after a very busy season before we get going again. So... Um, it's good. Did you get to watch the Champions Cup final? Yeah, I did. Um, incredible game. The atmosphere looked absolutely electric. And um, look, as an Irish rugby fan, you've got to feel very disappointed for Leinster. But um, as a Munster um, fan, you've got to be delighted for for Raj Donica. Um, I think uh, they were exceptionally, thought La Rochelle were an exceptionally well-coached team on the day. Um, and yeah, great win for them. The scenes in La Rochelle, have you seen them? Looked yeah, incredible. I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, um, I, do, I was there doing commentary, so there was lots of Leinster people saying to me afterwards, I'm looking forward to the podcasts. Um, well, we're not going <laughs> to analyze um, the game in full, but obviously, it was, a, it was an incredible occasion. And Leinster were heartbroken, I think, and you know, certain. Certain, well, nearly all the pundits uh, before the game reckoned that Leinster would, would win it, including myself. I'm sure you thought the same as well. Yeah. Uh, based on what we've seen from Leinster this year and their consistency, and I got a bit of a bit of criticism from a headline and off the ball yesterday saying that uh, Leinster left their worst performance this season. Um, what I meant by that was, I don't write the headlines, obviously, that... They played such at a high level the whole way through the Champions Cup. Um, the tries they'd scored, the cohesion, the, the accuracy, all that kind of stuff. And they just came unstuck on Saturday. So um, it was uh, it was incredible there to see the to, to be there with the atmosphere and to see the scenes at the end, the way La Rochelle won it at the end. But three tries to zero. Um, the two, the mall try, the second one, and the third one, the pick and go. Well, that wasn't... Any sort of creativity. I think the second try from the mall was power. Um, the first try to score, a bit of brilliance from from Dylan Lades uh, to get his hands through and unleash Raymond Rule. But um, a lot of frustration there. And as you say, look, from an Irish point of view, it's a little bit worrying with the Irish tour. Same questions coming up a little bit again about power and physicality that we had I, <clears throat> with, with Ireland for a few years. Yeah. I don't think I, that was the case. No, Saturday. I'm not sure. I, I don't think I don't think it was a uh, case of power and physicality. I thought there were just key moments. I thought um, I thought La Rochelle's breakdown work was exceptional. Their ability to get past the ball but not get penalised by being really smart. They almost turned their body, bodies back towards their own team. They were able to hold in um, Leinster players in and around that rock and look it's right on the edge but what it does is it slows down um, or it slows down the defensive line speed because it makes it really difficult to fold around and therefore it makes it easier for you as an attacking side to get to that edge like that Raymond Rule try and I thought um, I just thought that they were exceptions that they, their ability to hold on to the ball for, for long spells was huge and I thought and here's the thing the first 30 minutes I thought it was just a cracking game but I, I felt like Leinster were on it. I just felt like that 
the more that they couldn't pull away, the more energy that gave La Rochelle. Um, and look, there were definitely key moments from a, a refereeing point of view for Leinster that they'll definitely question, I think. But also, you hit the nail on the head, you know, three tries to none. Very rarely do you see a game where Leinster don't score. Um, and Johnny even said it afterwards himself, you know, maybe they needed to be a little bit more aggressive um, in terms of their, you know, approach when they were 12, 12 points up. But, you know, you get to that three six nine, you're starting to build and you know you are, but then you're also in space where you're putting pressure on them in that 22. Then you've, you've got to look at, you know, that, that that the flow of the game as such, and I just think that a couple of times Leinster gave La Rochelle easy options to to hit penalties because anytime Leinster were in that twenty two, you know La Rochelle were very cynical. They were slowing the ball down, hands in the rock, so they were giving those penalties away, knowing that Leinster were going to go for the points as opposed to going for the corners. So yeah, look, lots of different things, but I thought it was a cracking game of rugby. To be fair. Their discipline was poor, I thought, La Rochelle. They were playing right on the edge. And I think defensively, they were very aggressive and obviously got the emotional right. I don't know if it's a template to beat Leinster. Um, we've said it as Munster people during the year when Munster, Leinster played Munster. How, how do you stop them? Well, you've got to be aggressive, be in their faces and stop that cohesion and that that those wraparound passes and the accuracy. And, that, and unfortunately, it just broke down for Leinster at times. And... At 1810, uh, there was a big turnover from V and Lieberberg in mm. in La Rochelle's half, and that was crucial. Um, they went up the field, scored in the corner, um, and with 14 men, I think they got stronger as the game went on. I, I was I was very, very surprised. But and to be fair, a lot of Munster fans would have wanted Ronan O'Gara back in the coaching seat, and we spoke about that earlier in the season. Um, he committed to La Rochelle and he's got massive kudos now from what he achieved there um, you mentioned the scenes on Sunday of the homecoming and all that stuff we've we've all ex- we've seen them from Leinster and Munster and even Connacht when they, they won the Pro 14 a few years ago what it's like and they're special days for players but the thing is for any Leinster fans listening and I genuinely mean this um, this Leinster team isn't going anywhere I think they can get stronger and they can learn from this again unfortunately that sport um, and I just, just find margins, at, really. Like at, at, at 18-10, I thought that's the game. And there was yeah. three, three La Rochelle players down the ground. They looked out their feet. But, you know, it just shows resolve, resilience and and that belief. And and Rod spoke about that afterward. It's an incredible achievement. And, you know, as you say, uh, Ronan O'Gara, Donica Ryan, Sean Dougal is doing strength and conditioning there. So there was a monster element to it as well. But... Leinster fans are very humble afterwards and, and shocked, obviously. I met lots of them coming out of the stadium and in the airport. But um, uh, big disappointment and they were they were shocked. But anyway, we've got to move on to what we've got to talk about today and that's Munster Ulster. Um, a few of my Ulster colleagues were texting me and tweeting me, welcoming me to, to the Kingspan on Friday. It's a bit of a... It's a tough one. Munster have got to pick themselves up after... You know, obviously the Toulouse game, and I listened to Stephen Larkham yesterday, and he's, he's, he did the media briefing about the emotional kind of turmoil, the physical turmoil of that Toulouse game, and then just not performing to the standard that they would have wanted, and maybe we would have expected against Leinster's Leinster's second string, if you like. Um, so it's been a tough couple of weeks, and they find themselves in the Kingspan. Uh, they beat Ulster twice this year. 
in Toman Park with 14 men when Simon Zebra was was uh, was sent off. That was the 8th of January. And then on the 22nd of April, they went to Belfast and it was a must win for for Munster. And they beat Ulster up there 24-17. Um, great win. And it was part of that kind of positive period for, for Munster. Keith Darrell's try, that was a superb try, as good as I've seen him score for a long, long time. I asked a, tw- a question yesterday because, um, you know, we want you to be involved as always to tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or elsewhere on our personal Twitters or leave a comment on YouTube and we'll try and get through as many comments as we can. So we have had a good response, even though my tweet was late last night. I basically asked, look, um, where are Munster at? Um, can they go and win there? Will they win there? Uh, Tigburn looks like he's going to be back available. Um, that would be obviously a huge boost, but it's kind of hard to to pick a winner here. Um, Munster beaten him twice this year. You have tweets and responses to that tweet that I put out. Um, we'll go through some of them first before we get into the game. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think, <clears throat> to be fair, the majority of the responses are quite positive. I think, you know, um, Patrick Hogan, we've beaten them twice already this season, once with 14 men. But can we do it three times in a row? We have to play better than our most recent trip to the Aviva or it'll be another disappointing result for Munster fans. Adrian O'Donoghue, Ulster have always been very song, strong at home, but as we know, Munster can put incredible performances together when they need to. Good start required, settling into a flow early, faster ball at the rocks and spread Ulster thing, getting the ball at wide, definitely Munster win. Uh, Ian Moore, season over if we can't, lots to fight for. We now have the template to be Leinster, it should be a tight game. Um, and Babs, she's a big monster sport, I'm sure you know her. Of course, we can progress. We just need to to beat Ulster to do so. No point taken to the field if we're beaten before we start. Um, I don't know, Finn, can't see why not. If inspiration is needed, look back on Marseille last weekend. Um, Matt Landers, who's an Ulster supporter, Quinny. I'm hopeful your season ends on Friday night, but worried by your recent win in Belfast. Fingers crossed a more focused Ulster turn up this time. I think <clears throat> comparing this weekend to the last time we played in Kingspan, it's going to be like night and day. Um, you know, in April, Ulster were seven days post um, a very, very tough loss on to, to lose by a point over those two legs incredibly draining mentally probably shell-shocked very difficult to get yourself back up for that so I wouldn't really be taking too much into that result I think what we did in Thoman Park it probably be more of a, a proper indication of how how the game you know how you could set up to try and play against Sulzer because I do think that um, you know that was a really difficult thing we've seen last weekend in terms of how or two weekends ago how we were unable to bounce back after that to lose the feed as well and we had a weekend between that game up in Kingspan in April was just seven days post post that to lose uh, defeat for Ulster and they were obviously pretty devastated so um Tom Lundergan hard one to call Tyke Byrne returning is great news don't think he can possibly be match ready to start though to win there twice in the space of six weeks is a big, big ask, but can do it if the monster dog is at them from the get-go and then some to secure a win. Um, Niall Brennan, I realise Ulster away is always a tough game, but if we want to have any sort of ambition at all, we shouldn't even be possibly thinking of, of Munster losing. Like, when he Ulster can say the exact same from that. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they can. Yeah, definitely. And um, they'd be nervous, I think, uh, when when uh, when they when the results kind of panned out, and at the in the last league game, and Munster were beaten, and they ended up Ulster ended up having Munster. I think that's that's probably one they wouldn't have wanted. Um, given the rivalry between the two sides and, and yeah. probably um, knowing that Munster will most, I would say most definitely be very, very, very driven and very emotional and under massive pressure because um, obviously if Munster lose, their season is over and it'll finish on a real negative. Um, so I The think same goes for them. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but I think it, w- it would have been an easier game for Ulster if they could have focused on you know somebody else, Glasgow, Edinburgh, one of the South African teams coming to Belfast. Um, I'm not saying that would be any easier, but I think there's a bit of baggage with this one as well. But maybe they'll have the kind of revenge piece in their minds that Munster beat them twice this year, and um, obviously they'll be very, very up for the game as well. It should be a cracker, but uh, a lot of the points there are. Some of them are very obvious. One, yeah. from, you know, Babs is one saying, well, we just need to beat Ulster to do so to progress <laughs> to the semi-finals. But uh, um, yeah, they're fairly obvious, but we can we can go into the details in a minute. You have a few more. Yeah. yeah, so a couple more, just two more really. So Sean Fox, mindset needs to focus on getting small wins consistently, build up some form and start forging this group's own identity. We are behind them and dearly want them to succeed one game at a time. Love the podcast, Tip Abu. Bless him, Tip fan. Um, and the and the last thing, and I'm curious to to get your opinion on this because I think now's as good a time in any in any to kind of chat about it. Box and ball tweets, great pods. Monster by five. Please comment on the additions of South African teams and their prospects in the knockouts. I think it's great. Um, it's not good for Welsh rugby, and that's something. Um, well, if Munster are out this week, I'm sure we'll do a wrap up pod uh, yeah. before before we finish the season. But um, I'm definitely keen and interested to get on somebody from from Welsh rugby and see, you know, where they're at and the struggles they're at financially. Um, it's not good for for the for the URC. Um, you think Scarlets won this in 2017? Uh, brilliant side um, playing beat, some really good rugby too beat Munster in that final yeah. and um, you know it's I think the South Africans have brought great kind of excitement and something different into the competition um, obviously COVID was really disruptive where you know back in November when when Munster were trapped down there in Cardiff and Scarlets and I think it was Zebra as well um, but I think they've been brilliant and they're going to be in Europe next year as well so um, it's going to be really intriguing f- for that to happen as well. Um, so I think they've, they've been brilliant. Um, it's great to have them there. But I would genuinely love to see one or two of the Welsh teams in there. And I mean that sincerely. Um, but, you know, the league table doesn't lie either. Um, it's about consistency. And I don't, I, you know, we don't want to see them left behind. Um, so... Uh, the South Africans have been really good and I think yeah. it's been positive and it's been exciting yeah completely I just think it's this kind of time of year that we probably see the best out of them you know start of the season their big players are obviously away playing rugby championship and I'd imagine the sooner that they can align to a, a probably a world rugby calendar the, the more beneficial that their club game will get in terms of the South Africans and then 
you're 100% right about the Welsh and to a certain degree maybe some of the Scottish teams in terms of you want them to be consistent so that every game that you go out and play it's going to be a really tough game um, and look I, I think at the moment that's not the case you know obviously those Welsh teams and have the ability to to kind of cause shocks like the the Dragons did or the Ospreys did at certain times this season. But from a South Africa point of view, I just think that it's been really, really good for the competition in terms of the the quality of the games and um and the calibre of player that are arriving in the likes of Thoman Park or, you know, the sports ground or the RDS and Kingspan, like that these young rugby kids and fans are getting to see world class athletes that are, you know, have won World Cups and then often that, that, that kind of calibre of player comes to town. So, look, I think it's brilliant, but you're dead right. Like You'd like to make sure that the the, the weaker teams within that league, you know, the Italy teams too, to be fair, um, because that's really where the Welsh teams are slipping back to, that, that kind of standard. And, um, yeah, look, hopefully. Um, I just think it's actually been a really good, I think it's been a really good year for URC. I think it's been quite exciting. Yeah, it's been good, but as I said, it would have been brilliant if there was a Welsh team in there. There is two Scottish, um, three Irish, and three South Africans. So hopefully Welsh rugby can improve in the club game. And as I said, they have financial challenges and difficulties as well. Um, there's one last tweet, and you were telling me not to read this out, but it's from Brian. I think it's it's spelled L-A-L-O-R. Is that Laller? Or it's not Lawler anyway, because there's no W in there. So Brian anyway sent a tweet uh, response and he said, Alan, your negativity is toxic. It's driving me into the arms of Leo Cullen. I was trying to figure that one out. Why? If I'm toxic, why why would I drive him into the arms of Leo Cullen if he's a Monster fan? Because next he said, Monster, one of the best teams in the world. And then he put a screenshot up of... Um, OTBM Sports yesterday morning when I was on with the, the lads on, on off the ball and it was a headline Alan Quinlan worst performance of the year for Leinster uh, that was the headline I don't make the headlines Brian um, maybe you reckon I'm Vinny, a... I told you when you're famous you just gotta be you know you've gotta be you've gotta be ready for these kind no, of tweets it's, it's, it's <laughs> on, I don't mind and I'm not I'm, I wouldn't be reading out positive tweets I want to read out some of the negative ones where people challenge us that's what we want that's what, exactly what I want is people to challenge me Tell me I'm wrong. I think being my negativity being toxic is probably taken a little bit too far. I am a little bit of a pessimist, and you are, you know, but we know that. But that's my job. You're supposed to bring the positivity here. But I did say it to you a few weeks ago when Monster. I think we were going through the list of of Monster games that they'd lost this season in the league, um, and you know, obviously, even Leinster lost five in the league. Monster have lost seven. So I was just going through some of the games and I did feel, yeah, I'm, I'm focusing on the negative here. But we've got to deal in reality as well and pick out. I, I always remember as a player, if you, there's always a league game or there's always some moment in a game that you could have and probably should have won that does can come back to bite you at the end of the season and they can be regrets. Just look at the Premier League. You know, Liverpool, a couple of games that they drew you know, one point they lose the league. And that's just how tight it can be there. There's no playoffs, obviously, in the Premiership in soccer. But anyway, Gary, I'm not sure about the... I think it's a bit strong saying my complete toxic... My, my negativity is toxic. But as I said, I'm just trying to deal in the the in reality and, and uh, 
you can bring all the positivity here. But I've given Munster loads of credit at loads of stages this year, and I've picked holes when there, when you know, when there's been issues and problems. And uh, I'd like to think I'm try, I'm trying to be balanced as best I can. Um, so anyway, Brian is living in China anyway, so I don't know if I'm going to meet him anytime soon or if he wants to challenge me more. But he's welcome to, um, and maybe go into a bit more detail rather than picking a headline off off the ball yesterday morning when I'm talking about Leinster. So I'm driving him into the arms of Leo Cullen. God. And then he says, well, Munster are one of the best teams in the world. Well, Brian, I've news for you. Munster are not one of the best teams in the world at the moment. And that's just the reality. So anyway, let's move on to Friday night. We spoke about um, briefly at the start um, what Munster have to do. So I go back to the... Um, I think Munster... Showed a brilliant reaction when Simon Zebo was sent off in in uh, in Tolman Park in January. I thought Ulster were were pretty negative and poor in trying to manage and and protect the scoreline. Um, I think there were six or eight points up at one stage, and they were trying to protect that scoreline. The second half, kicked the ball away a lot. Munster responded, scored two great tries, won that game, um, and that was one of the big positive moments with that group. I thought they showed a lot of resilience and steel. Um, and the other game on the 22nd of April, um, massive pressure to, for Munster to go and win in Belfast to obviously from a league point of view to get the points. Um, and they did it 24-17. If we look back at that game, I thought Munster started incredibly well in Belfast. They were on the front foot, really positive in the way they played. Um, scored Stephen Archer got a try early on and then Keith Earls try in 28 minutes or something it was it was sublime Damien Dialenda was involved great offloading great passing um, what do they have to do Friday night because obviously both teams are going to come out here and they're going to be pumped for this so Munster struggled a little bit with Ulster's mall more than a little bit. Ulster scored yeah. two mall tries there and really responded. I think Munster dominated the first half and then Ulster came back and yeah. Carberry, Joy Carberry got a few penalties and they managed the game quite well and it was a brilliant win. So what are we expecting Friday night from this game, Eve? Yeah, look, I think from a, a Munster point of view, you've definitely got to see a reaction in terms of whatever, physically, from an emotional point of view, from the, from their, their last game against Leinster. Um, it was really interesting to hear Larkham and Conor Murray speak yesterday in relation to um, not being at the pitch of the game, really, and also not not having the same attention to detail um, heading into that game um, as they had done previously, which I thought was very interesting. And um, why, why was that? Why weren't I, they I, on that pitch? I, I don't know, but like to he, you know to hear Conor Murray speak about not not being at the you know not having the same attention to detail in their preparation as they had done previously in the previous few weeks I thought was a bit strange in terms of maybe it was the case of okay look we've thrown so much into this Toulouse game let's back off from the information or the detail for for this game and 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 try and get through as best we can maybe I I I don't know genuinely don't know I've not been in that position before you know was it, maybe, was it maybe that emotional turmoil that Stephen Larkin was talking about that maybe to lose the Toulouse game physically and emotionally emotionally um just really had a, a, a toll on them yeah look that that's probably what it was but um very quickly you realize in 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 
at this level in rugby that if you're not, you know, at the pitch mentally and emotionally, and I speak about it really, you know, or speak about it quite often, but also if your attention to detail going into every game and if you can replicate that week in, week out, you're going to be off the pace against the top teams. I think that was exactly what it was, albeit to, you know, not Leinster's strongest team. I just think that's you know, that kind of showed where, where Munster were at. So I think this week going in, if you're just going to concentrate on yourself and, and look at a Munster perspective, you've got to make sure that your A, your attention to detail throughout this week has been absolutely exceptional and that going into that game, everybody knows, you know, what they're trying to do, where they're trying to move the ball to, how they're trying to defend, prop, you know, where they want to attack uh, Ulster, where their strengths and weaknesses are. So everybody's on the same page in terms of that detail but also that ability to get to the pitch mentally. And I'd imagine from a Munster perspective, that really won't be that difficult, considering that, you know, they lose this game and their season's done. Um, and that's 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 a big enough carrot to try and get people to, to go. From an Ulster perspective, I've just been so impressed by them at so many stages this season. I think that their, their backline attack is super. I think um, James Hume is playing exceptionally well at the moment, very understated in terms of he doesn't have a huge amount of impacts on 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 the ball, like he doesn't have a huge amount of touches, but all the touches that he gets are actually really positive impacts. Um, I hear Mike Lowry could be out. If that's the case, he's a huge loss for them. Um, I think he makes their 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 broken phase play uh, tick a lot. But, um, and then up front, I, I do think up front, obviously their mall is quite good, but I think that there's ways for Munster to get at them and, as a tweeter said earlier on, you know, and you spoke about it as well, it's like Byrne is back in that 23. That makes a huge difference. So I'm going to come out with a positive stat here for Brian. That it's, it's not toxic. So Ulster, there is a perception that Ulster's attack is more cohesive and they're more ambitious with how they attack. Um, and look, defensively, I think they're very strong. I think they've they've only conceded, they've conceded 297 um, in... Uh, conceded points they've conceded only Leinster have conceded less I think it's they've conceded 270 uh, 276 uh, in the top eight tries for tries against so this was surprising for me when I looked at it Ulster have scored 47 tries in the league and conceded 31 Munster how many do you think they've scored 66 and conceded 34. So they've nearly yeah, they've no, scored 19, I know what you're saying. Munster have scored 19 more tries. Yeah, than, but I, I think they, we assume that the ultra attack is exceptionally good because they actually, they they run it more in their own half than they kick it quite often or not. So after they get over that 10 metre line, they'll run it. So then they, they get line breaks and then they get a lot of penalties and, because John Cooney is such a, an accomplished kicker, they actually kick for posts a lot as opposed to um, go down the line for tries. And I do think that um, they're going to have to try and be a little bit more ambitious from their point of view this weekend. But um, their their ability in broken play is so good with the likes of McCluskey. He's such a big man. His ability to get his hands free. And I know Billy Burns has played well quite the last couple of weeks, but I think we got a Munster have to put him under a lot of pressure in terms of just up to trying to disrupt his game management. Because I think under pressure and in that contact zone, he doesn't flourish as well. Whereas if you stand off and give him space, he's well able to kick for corners. He's well able to give you little dinks over the top. He's well able to pull passes flat to the line. 
but he just doesn't really like the contact element. Yeah, for for, for uh, from Ulster's from point of view, they've been inconsistent at times this season. Um, although Munster are the only team to beat them in the Kingspan, um, they lost the they lost six, lost to Munster twice, uh, Stormers, the Bulls, both in South Africa, Ospreys away. The Connacht one was a really, really mm. bad loss back in last October, November. That was a really bad loss. Obviously, they're away from home. Munster, the only side to beat them in the league, Toulouse beat them in the US um, uh, EPCR. So they're a very difficult side to beat at home and a very good side. And I think you named some of the players there. I think Robert Balakun, if he gets time on the ball, James Hume has been brilliant this year, McCluskey, Ethan McElroy, serious dangers there. Mike Lowry played it out half in the last match. So um, Stuart Moore was full back. So does Billy Burns come back in at 10? Um, as you said, Mike Lowry is a, is a doubt. Did they start John Cooney, Nathan Doak uh, at scrum half? They have a lot of options. Their back line is really, really good. Um, but I think where Munster kind of went at him the last time was up front. Um, yeah. Ian Henderson being back um, and probably playing some matches in the last few weeks, getting matched fit again. Jordy Murphy, the same, coming back from an injury. Nick Timoney has been brilliant for him this year. And, and, yeah. and of course, Matty Ray as well. Um, no Dwayne Vermeulen in that game in Belfast. And I just thought his presence and when he's played this year, he's, he's had a real presence about him. Hasn't been outstanding with everything he's been doing with the ball, but I just think he's, he's so destructive in malls. He's so positive in their malls because he's such a big man. Did play in the game in Tone Park. So it's kind of hard to say, well, Munster... He, the huge difference he was there because Munster managed um, his his presence in Thoman Park in January. But um, when Ulster play well, they're a great side to watch. Yeah. Um, and they're a very, very dangerous side. So stating the obvious and trying to find out what Munster have to do on, on Friday night is, I think, obviously, get their set piece right, um, scrum and line out, and not concede yards and malls if Ulster really fancy their chances against them because they scored tr- two tries um, in uh, two mall tries in, in, in that game in, um, in April as well so um, from from a tactical point of view is it more of the same for Munster or do they have to be better because I think Ulster will be better this time oh Quinny Munster have to be better completely I think yes that game w- you know, they started like a train, but I felt like that they felt Ulster were dead in their feet though as well. Yeah. yeah, but then they allowed Ulster back into it. And if you give this Ulster team a sniff, likewise, there's a couple of things. Ulster and Munster are a little bit inconsistent in terms of their ability to be ruthless in, in, a, in an 80 minute game. I think they're like we saw against Toulouse for Ulster, they were way ahead and um, and then Ulster come back. Like their game, uh, Last weekend, I think two weekends ago, where they were way ahead and um, against the Sharks, and then all of a sudden it's like twenty four, twenty five, or something twenty, like twenty four, twenty three, or twenty four, twenty one, like two two tries in the last two minutes from the from the Sharks, and you think, oh god. So <clears throat> Munster had to completely and utterly play till the end, like play till the actual end, because you'll still find ways to score against this team. I think, and um, they're definitely weak links within that defensive line. Um, but also, if they get ahead, Munster still have to be ruthless. They still have to continue to play. They still have to continue to 
to not give easy ins. They're, you're completely right. Their discipline has to be really good. So, um, yeah, it's a it's it's a winnable game. Don't get me wrong. I I I'm a huge admirer of Dan McFarland. I I love how Ulster play at times, but there's definitely an inconsistency within them as a group, and um, I think that that Munster can use that to their advantage. Does Tyburn, Andrew Conway, Damien Dialenda, Peter O'Mahony go straight back into the side? This is like this isn't the yeah, case that we'll, we'll, we'll try and manage them for the week after because there may there might be no week after. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Cup final, you've got to play play now. Maybe the Tyburn one could be an ask, and and to be fair, the Andrew Conway one too because that was a bit of a strange one. You know, he obviously gets injured coming into the Toulouse game with an injury. Um or the Lynch game, sorry, re-injures. If they said afterwards in the medical report, and then so do you have to? Do you mind him for the for the, for a New Zealand tour? Like that's obviously not what Munster will want to do. But in my mind, if you're looking at Zebo and and Earls, they're both playing week in week out as well. So, um, I I think Manny definitely has to come back in. They're a different John, team. With John him. Klein is possibly back as well and trained this week after the neck injury. Um. Do you start Klein, Tyburn, Thomas Ahern? Um, who starts there? Uh, Craig Casey, the question we keep ask, being asked all the time, or is it Conor Murray again? Conor Murray probably didn't have his best game against Leinster as many of his teammates. Um, I thought he was outstanding the previous couple of weeks, Conor Murray. Um, no, you need Conor Murray for his defensive ability against Ulster at the start. I do think that whether Craig likes us or not, but his ability to provide a huge amount of energy in the right way is going to be very important coming off the bench against Ulster. Yeah, we don't have a lot of, um, obviously we have don't have teams, uh, we can't get into it, but needless to say, and I think for anyone listening, it's kind of either going to be, uh, it's going to be a heartbreaking situation because I think if Ulster go out, it's a lot of question marks finishing on a real negative in the quarterfinals at home. If Munster go out, you're kind of, we're dragging up some of the last couple of weeks um, yeah. and that Leinster game and probably the season overall uh, to go out in the quarterfinals and go of both competitions would be really, really disappointing. Um, if they can get over Ulster at the weekend, which for any of the Ulster listeners, I know there's a few tune in. Um, it's a real, it's a tough ask. It's a hard game yeah. to separate these sides. And I Back. think they're both at a level where it, they're very close um, so it's a hard game to separate who performs on the night who gets wins those little moments um, a little bit of luck whatever and I think Munster both sides can um, they're a way to if uh, Stormers or Edinburgh so if Edinburgh were to win in the Stormers then Ulster would be at home and, and, and vice versa for Munster as well yeah. so but anyway I think you can't be looking ahead to, to a semi-final no. this is, this is a, a tough ask for both sides Fact, yeah. Look, I think it's going to be a crack of match. I really do. Um, Ulster on Friday night. Pity Friday night for for a lot of Munster fans. Difficult to get up there for a half seven kickoff. Or um, but uh, I do think it's going to be a, a brilliant match and a really good atmosphere. Yeah, we'll be back. We'll obviously pick the bones out of it next week. Hopefully, it won't be the last podcast we're doing. That we'll be looking forward to uh, a semi final in the URC. Um, just uh, obviously, there's been talk and. We've been going on for months about the coaching ticket and completing the coaching ticket. Um, I'm being told, and it's still been rumoured, that Dennis Leamy is going to be announced imminently as the new defence coach for Munster. Uh, imminently, when I mean it could be tomorrow. Um, 
And I think it's pretty much out there now that uh, Munster and Ulster and the RFU have reached some sort of a compromise to release Dennis uh, to to join the coach. Munster Leinster, yeah, yeah. Munster Leinster, I should say. Um, that well, Graham Rountree is going to he's going to be part of the the coaching ticket with Andy Kiriak, who Mike Prendergast. Um, so that is that good news. Dennis Lean coming back. He's still yeah. relatively inexperienced. Yeah, but he's also I have huge admiration for him that he's got he's gone away. Okay, not to the extent of Raj, but he's not staying in his comfort zone in Munster and um you know he did a big club game in the AIL with Carmel and Cashel and then um you know didn't get a, a peek into the Munster job when it came up in terms of that um EPO job I think it was and, and went to Leinster. He definitely have learned a huge amount from from Stuart Lancaster, Leo Cullen and how they prepare and the detail that goes into how they operate and um and he put his own stamp on things as well in terms of the coaches that he's had. But I just think it's it's really important. It's another part of Munster's DNA that's coming home and that will have a, a you know affect a huge amount of change in terms of um that understanding of what it is to be for Munster and what it is to play for Munster. And um we speak about how ingrained Graham Rountree has come into this into this team and, and how he makes it feel like home. But having the likes of, of Dennis Leamy and Prendy in there will will be able to accentuate that and, and hammer it home. So look I I think it's great and I think it's brilliant for him to be able to come home to Munster and, and to have a positive impact. The hope is that uh, Mike Prendergast, Andy Kiriakou, Dennis Leamy and of course the head coach Graham Rountree hit the ground running. Um Big jobs on their hands, big pressure, and there's probably a little bit of inexperience there. And and but obviously the hope there is excitement that they will bring new energy, new ideas. And I think Dennis coming back, having played with him for so long, knowing his character, he's very determined, um, hard mentality, and I think he will have learned a lot in Leinster and probably seen. Um, you can't just. Um, you can you can learn the ideas and see the way they do it, and hopefully you can bring some of those ideas back. I always say it about you know when you go up training with Ireland, you learn new stuff, try and bring it back and and help players around you. So I'm sure Dennis will have have seen the depth, the quality, um, even if not off the recognised players and what's required. He brings back some of that that knowledge, just not from his pay, playing career, but from mm. his from his time in Leinster as well. So I think it will be. Uh, a really positive one and we'll be just waiting on a director of rugby then and that, that they'll be complete <laughs> and uh, then they have to try and get some players I think tight head hookers front row replacements um, yeah. but we'll see what happens and pans out over the next period of time when that um, we've got to leave it there that's episode 24 of the Red 78 to make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone every week just search for the Red 78 wherever you get your podcasts and press subscribe don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts on my negativity or toxicity um, or whatever or positivity sometimes um, uh, you can tweet both Neve and I at our, both our Twitter uh, Twitter uh, on Twitter as well or at the Rugby Channel 15 or leave a comment on YouTube um, so that's it for this week fingers crossed Monster season stays alive I'm sure Ulster people will be thinking the same and uh, enjoy the sun Neve. thanks a million talk to See you later. the Monster Rugby Podcast Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Munster Rugby better.